0: I want to express my appreciation to the congregation today for all the kind remarks and all the questions and the time. And I want you to know that we pray for your future and for ours. Again, I don't think we should seek to do anything without talking to God first. Tonight I want to think about something that probably is very challenging to all of us. We talk about being like Jesus and following in His footsteps and doing and saying the things that Jesus did. But I read sometimes about things that the Lord did and and it makes me wonder, well, can, can I do that? I know that I cannot give my life for the sins of the world. I'm not sinless like Jesus was. But I think about things that Jesus did do that I could possibly do. Because Jesus would say, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. To train and to teach and to guide, to lead, to, to save the souls of men. Tonight I want us to look in the second chapter of the Gospel of Mark beginning with the 13th verse. I want to ask and answer the question, why did Jesus eat with sinners? Mark chapter 2, 13 and following, Jesus went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to Him, and He taught them. I'm trying to envision this large group of people coming to to hear Jesus and how many of us would really have liked to have been there. I'd like to have been on Mars Hill when Paul preached that sermon to the Athenians. I'd like to have been in the presence of Jesus when he worked with his disciples and talked to them one-on-one privately. We don't have that opportunity but we can see his interaction with people through Scripture And we see that he passed by and he sees Levi, which we also know to be Matthew, but he's the son of Alphaeus, and he was sitting in the tax booth, or the tax office, and he said to Levi, who was a tax collector, follow me. I don't know what interaction Jesus had had with Levi before. I don't know how much Levi knew about Jesus. Be that as it may, the scripture says, so he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many and they followed him. When the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? And I just wonder if they didn't say it in kind of a surly way because you know the attitude that the Pharisees had toward Jesus. They just couldn't understand him eating with sinful people, associating with sinful people because they wouldn't. They would not associate with people that they considered to be sinful people. Well, Jesus heard what they said. He said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I want us to look at the setting here and see how this plays out because... I learn a lot. If I want to learn to be like Jesus, I watch the things that he did and how he interacted with people. And I read about a a health club and, you know, health clubs have different programs for the way they help people to either lose weight or put on muscle or a combination of those things or to build up their heart strength and exercise. And some there was one there's one club that caters only to people who want to lose 50 pounds or more and uh, there was a member who became a member of this club because she was going to another club and and you know she felt like the slim people were looking down on her because in her estimation she was out of shape and overweight so she went to this club where they had some real goals in it and And I would use that illustration to think that everybody is who they are, where they are, and yet people have goals that they want to improve. There are people in this world who don't like being overweight with sin. They don't like what life has done to them. The unfortunate part of that, however, is a lot of people, they don't know what to do about it. They just say, well, that's just the way it is and I just have to live with it and, and, and life's just tough and that's just the way it is. And I look at this situation, here is, here is Levi. Now, the tax collectors were not the most popular people among the Jews. The Jews despised tax collectors. One of the reasons they did is because, if, especially if they were Jewish tax collectors, which Levi was, they worked for a government government that they didn't like being subject to. The Jews did not like being subjected to the Roman government. But they had to be. They had no choice. You know, they didn't even have the right to put someone to death under the law of Moses. The Romans had the right to that. The Jews did not. And that's why Jesus had to be put to death by Romans. So they didn't like being governed by Rome. They didn't like paying all these taxes. And so some of their fellow Jews were tax collectors and They just didn't have a high estimation of them, so they would lump them in with sinners. Of course, tax collectors sometimes would collect money that was not the government's money, and the government was good with that. The Roman government was good with that. As long as they got their cut, they didn't care if the tax collector pocketed a little extra. As long as they got what they were supposed to get, So we're looking at this kind of man that was despised and probably cheated people out of money, but because he worked for the Roman government, he had the power to do that. But Jesus looks at this man and he says, follow me. Obviously, Jesus saw something in Levi that other people might not have seen. And the interesting thing about it is when Jesus saw him and he says, follow me, the text says he arose and he followed him. He left his job as a tax collector, and he followed the Lord. Now, what kind of man is this? Well, uh, he's kind of like Zacchaeus, you know Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and he took advantage of people and uh, we would call him a cheat, legal cheat, but he was a cheat and An underhanded fellow and somebody that you probably felt like maybe you couldn't trust because if he would do that, he would probably do other things. And so to to look at the situation, we see that Matthew leaves his, his probably very lucrative career to follow a poor man with a message of hope. Obviously, Matthew had heard something that enticed his heart and his mind to to follow Jesus. And let me tell you, if a person leaves their job to follow the Lord, they see something in Jesus that the average person doesn't see. They're willing to give up this money. You know one of the biggest problems with a lot of people converting to Christianity? True Christianity is money. And position and power and what they're going to get out of this life now and they don't think about the eternal aspects well obviously Matthew looked beyond what was in his pocket and looked to what Jesus could offer him to help him in his life so I see this many but here's the, here's the situation too We we see that when he arose and followed him you see in verse 15 that Jesus was dining. The next thing you see, you know, Mark is that real quick gospel, and and he doesn't fool around with a lot of extra information. He just hits the main points. And so the next thing you see is that Jesus is at Matthew's house having a meal. Not only is he there at Matthew's house having a meal, we see there were many people who were there. Scholars are divided on really who was hosting this event. Was it Matthew and Jesus was invited, or did Jesus initiate this and, and get Matthew to do this and, and have all these people come? And I don't know if we really ever totally figured that out, but I do know this. Matthew was having a party for sinners at his house, and Jesus went, regardless of who was hosting it. And I was thinking as I read this and we study why would Jesus go to an event like that? Obviously, somebody wanted somebody to hear the gospel. And I'm a little more inclined to think that Matthew has done this and he's brought people to his house and and, and it's not in the text, but you think, I want you all to hear this man. I want you to hear what this man Jesus has to say. Being Jewish, maybe Matthew had some background information and knew that there was something about Jesus that was not ordinary. Maybe his training as a Jew caused him to know maybe Jesus was the the Messiah to come. I don't know what he knew and understood at this point, but I'm picturing this house and maybe Matthew was very rich and maybe he had a large house and a lot of people are there And not only do these people come to Matthew's house for a meal, and shall we say a gathering, but it says they followed him. Now, to follow Jesus is not simply to say, I'm a Jesus follower, but somebody who really followed the Lord. They were hearing what he had to say, and were willing to subscribe to the things that Jesus taught, and listen to what Jesus was saying. Can you imagine if you were a new Christian and you really appreciate what you've found in the Lord and you've got all these people who are friends of yours, how wonderful it would be to have all these people that don't know the Lord to come and get to hear Jesus preached. I would be ecstatic. I would be ecstatic that some of my friends that I knew and grew up with would want to hear the gospel. There are people that I've known in my lifetime right now that are still alive. I wish they knew the Lord. I wish they knew the gospel of Christ. Because as they are, they're lost. They're separated from God. And isn't it wonderful when you invite someone to services and they show up and they show an interest? Can you imagine a whole house full of people like that? Obviously also, Matthew had some kind of an influence to get that many people to come. Now... That said, Jesus obviously had some kind of influence too. But what's interesting about it, they didn't just come. Again, we know they followed Him. And we see the reaction of the scribes and the Pharisees. And obviously, as we know from Scripture, they didn't feel like they had any sin. And Jesus even hints at their disposition toward that. He said, I didn't call, come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. And they would had to make a decision which camp they fell into. Obviously, many of the scribes and Pharisees didn't feel like they fell into the camp of sinners since they accused other people of being tax collectors and sinners. But then we ask the question for the next few minutes, why did Jesus eat with sinners? Several years ago, Um, after I had been restored to the Lord, I listened to everything that anybody had to say that sounded good. And uh, this was in Chattanooga. And there was a man on the radio. He was not a member of the church. And I knew the difference. But this man had, in his understanding, given his life to the Lord. We know what a person has to do to become a Christian. But his understanding... But he was going to downtown Chattanooga talking to prostitutes about Jesus. And I know he was not sharing what we understand to be the truth on salvation. But I do appreciate the fact that he would go and talk to prostitutes. Because Jesus would. Jesus would eat with sinners. He would reach out to those and... Why would Jesus do what he did, number one? Because he had something that they did not have. The Bible says in John's Gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, that first chapter. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Watch this in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of God of men. Jesus had something that these sinners didn't have. He had life to offer them. We know it's eternal life. What does John chapter 10 verse 10 say? It said the thief does not come except to kill and to steal and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they, they may have it more abundantly. Jesus came to give spiritual life To the world. Because he had it. What does he say in John 14, 6? We know it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus had something that they didn't have. These people were spiritually dead. They were indeed sinners. Regardless of what the Pharisees thought about themselves, they were too, but these people... You know who you can reach with the gospel easier than anybody else? Somebody who knows they have no hope, and they're looking for it. Somebody who knows they have no hope, and they're looking for some hope. Sometimes you have to prod that idea though, don't you? Prompt it. You know somebody who's struggling a little bit with the hope of life? Say, you know, I know somebody who can give you hope. Don't start talking to people about baptism until you start talking to them about the life Jesus offers. Talk to them about the life that He had something that they didn't have. John chapter 10, verses 24 and following. We have, I love the Gospel of John and some of the things Jesus said. You see a lot of interaction between Jesus and the Jews. But in John chapter 10, Beginning with verse 24, we, we find Jesus discussing things with the Pharisees. And we see, let's back up to verse 22, it was the feast of dedication and it was in Jerusalem and it was winter and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Now that's where the Jews gathered. They'd come in there and read the law and they discuss spiritual matters and Jesus comes in there. Well, Jesus walks into the temple Uh, And and he's on Solomon's porch, and all these people surround him, and and they say, "How long will you keep us in doubt?" They're wanting Jesus to come straight out and tell them who he is. You know how Jesus told people who he was by what he did. You remember what Jesus, Jesus said to Peter when? He's asking in John chapter 16, Who do men say that I the son of man am? And finally Peter says, Well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and, and Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You serious Bible students know how Peter figured this out. But my Father who is in heaven, is God just yelling down from heaven and telling that to Peter. Or is he revealing who Jesus is through the things Jesus did and he said? There are people then who should know. Well, the Pharisees, they said, they just wanted him to admit it. One of the reasons they wanted him to admit it, so because if he admitted it, they knew they could try to get this murder underway for blasphemy. Jesus wanted them to see who he was by being who he was. And he answers them in verse 25 of John 10, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Can't you figure this out by seeing what I'm doing and all the things that I'm saying? But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. Watch this. Here's what Jesus has. And I give them eternal life. Jesus came to give life to the world. I give them eternal life. Jesus, who do you give eternal life to? Those who hear my voice. Those who listen to what I have to say. And what do they do, Lord? Well, number one, I know them, but they, they follow me. These people with Matthew followed Jesus. And he says... They shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Not only did Jesus have life, He had a perfect relationship with His Father. Is not Jesus the connection from man to the Father? John 14, 6, The way, the truth, and the life. I have something that these people don't have. As we think about talking to people about the Lord, they need to know that the Lord offers them something that they don't have. And it's life. You know that this life on this earth has its ups and its downs, and sometimes it's more down than it is up. And we know that people struggle with how to deal with life. When Jesus said in John 10, and verse 10, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly, He's not talking about a new Lexus. He's not talking about the home of your dreams. He's talking about the abundance of spiritual things that God offers, like forgiveness of sins, like the privilege of prayer, the joy of Christian fellowship, that hope that the person has for being eternity in eternity with God. And that eternity means forever and ever. That's the life that he offers because the Christian who dies and one day resurrection will come will spend eternity with God. He had something to offer that these people didn't have. Isn't it a shame that the Pharisees were so blind that they couldn't see that. And you know what it caused them not to do? It caused them not to care about people that were in need of the Lord, even though they they themselves thought they had him. the second thing, the reason Jesus ate with sinners is because he knew something that they didn't know. He knew, John 10, 10, that there is a thing that's really called life. How many of you all have heard the expression that's really leaving and they're talking about going to the Bahamas or maybe going on an Alaskan cruise or you know they finally got that raise that they've been waiting on for years or that promotion and they finally got that house finished that they've been working on and that's really living. Well, in a physical sense, it is. You remember Solomon tried that in Ecclesiastes. He said, ultimately, that was what? Vanity and grasping for the wind. What Jesus knew, knew is that life on this earth is temporary. And all the things that God has to offer are temporary. But not only did he know the things they needed to know, he knew they could live what he offered. How many people have you ever talked to that said, well, you know, I would be a Christian. I just don't think I can live the Christian life. You know what my answer is to that? Well, if that's the way you think, you won't be able to do it. If you think you can't do it, you're you're not going to. But Paul would say in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And part of that is living for the Lord. And and so you can do this. Look at Mark chapter 3. At verse 17, as we go back to the Gospel of Mark, we move over a chapter, Mark 3 and verse 17, we, we see that Jesus could change the lives of people who didn't act right. You know any people that don't act right? You ever work with some people who just don't act right and think if they could just change? Here are men who were following Jesus who were identified as sons of thunder well you know what that is in reference to you look in Luke chapter 9 51 through 56 it came to pass at that time Jesus came the time came for him to be received up that is he's obviously going to die ultimately go back to his father he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem Jesus walked to Jerusalem on purpose to die. Well, he comes through an area where there are uh, some Samaritans, and he sent messengers ahead of him, saying, the, "The Lord's coming through." And but some of these Samaritans didn't receive Jesus because he'd set his face to go to Jerusalem. You know, there was a conflict between the Samaritans and the Jews, and you remember Jesus' discussion in John four with the woman of Sychar in Samaria. She noted, "Jews have no dealings with Samaritans." There was conflict, and Maybe some jealousy. Maybe they felt like they were being overlooked. Uh, but Jesus didn't focus on the Samaritans per se, but he did talk to that woman, did he not? But he's on his way to Jerusalem. I guess they got their feelings hurt. I'm not sure what took place. Well, you know, these disciples, James and John, they, they saw the, the fact that these Samaritans wouldn't receive Jesus, and they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and just consume them? You want to just burn them up, Lord? Now, is that a soul-saving disposition? Jesus took, however, those sons of thunder and worked with them too, turned them into sons of the gospel. Men who learned Jesus Jesus says, "Look, I didn't come down here, I didn't come down here to destroy men's lives." Verse 56. No, I came down here to save people's lives. There are things that people do that to us are despicable and just ungodly. What does God want for those people? What did Jesus want for those people? He wants them to be saved, He wants them to know there's a better way to live. Jesus would have talked to these Samaritans and helped them to see, you know, I'm going to Jerusalem. But I'm going for you too. I don't know what all was said. But then I think of the fact also Jesus knew that people people could be be forgiven. As hard as it is for us at times to see the lives of people, they can't change. And God wants to forgive them. Did God forgive the Apostle Paul for what he did in trying to kill Christians? Did Jesus ultimately forgive Peter for denying him while his life is on trial? Did God forgive you for the things you've done as bad as some of them were? He wants these people to be forgiven. In John chapter 6, In verse 63, Jesus speaks of the words that he speaks. He says, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. He says, the spirit gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and life. Does that not cause us to run to Romans one sixteen? What does Paul say? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel... For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. The words Jesus spoke were spirit and life. And Peter would ask the question down there in verse 68 in John 6. After Jesus asked, do you also want to go away? You know, he had 5,000, and he's down to 12. It's like one preacher said, you talk about poor Sunday night attendance." 5,000 to 12, but he turns to his disciples. Do you also want to go away? As much as Peter fouled up, you've got to love him. Why, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Sinners need to know that Jesus has the words of eternal life. That's why Jesus would go to a party of sinners with Levi and some of his companions, because he had the words, he, had, he knew something they didn't know. He had something they didn't have, he had life, he knew something they didn't know. He knew the truth that would set men free. But thirdly, I want well, I want to stay on that point for a moment. Sometimes we have this tendency, Brother J.C., to quote Scripture and not put it in its context. When I was learning to preach, know this verse, know this verse, know this verse. Later I started listening to good preachers. Know this verse, put it in its context. Know this verse, put it in its context. Go look at Luke chapter 19, and see verse 10, and see what Jesus said, and now let's put it in its context. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. But put it in its context. You go back up to verse 1. Jesus entered and he passed through Jericho. And there was a little man named Zacchaeus. We teach this to the little children because Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. And we teach him. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Now let's watch the story unfold. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and he was rich. How many of you think that if you ran into a chief tax collector in the Lord's day, that you get him to become a follower of Jesus? Aren't we a little bit doubtful of what people might do sometimes? Do we not sometimes pass judgment on what we think people are going to do? I've learned not to expect anything from anybody till they do it. Well, this man is looking for Jesus. And he wanted to see him, but he was short in stature, so he climbs up in this sycamore tree so he could see the Lord and he runs ahead into the, and he climbs up in that tree because he knew Jesus was coming by. Here's a rich tax collector. He's kind of like Levi. He would be despised too. Well, Jesus came to the place and he looked up in that tree and he saw Zacchaeus. He knew Zacchaeus was looking for him and Zacchaeus I want you to make haste. Hurry up, boy. Come down here. I'm going home with you today. I think about this and I think about the context and so he makes haste and he he runs and he receives him joyfully and when they all saw it, everybody just the like Pharisees, you know, but he, well, he's gone home with another one of those sinners. We've got to decide something, brethren what we think about the lost state of sinful people, how we're going to react to them. I don't care what they do. Jesus wants to go home with them if they'll let him. And so Zacchaeus stood and he said, Lord, look, I give, I give, I give half my goods to the poor. And if I watched this, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. He knew he cheated people. And he was willing to make restitution to do whatever was right to make things right. Here's your context. Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. It's a man of faith. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So you put that in its context. Jesus would go home with a man like Zacchaeus and enjoy joy conversation do you think that impacted Zacchaeus' life? do you think that he had Zacchaeus' ear? oh yeah because the the average Jew Jesus was a Jew you know what, how did the average Jew look at Zacchaeus? a sinner we're not going home with him we don't want anything to do with him we're too good to spend time with him the son of God comes here He goes home with him and talks to him about his soul. The next thing then we see is Jesus was going somewhere that they could not go. I'm so thankful that Jesus came here and lived among men. I love to read the statements in Hebrews about him and appreciate the fact that God took on flesh and lived lived like we do. And He didn't have to, He just did. Because He loved us and He wanted us to know a better way. But in, in John chapter 8, beginning with verse 21, Jesus says, I'm going away. You'll seek Me and you'll die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Did Jesus want the Pharisees, you know the context... John eight twenty four. Unless you believe I am He, you'll die in your sins. Did He want them to die in their sins? No, He just wanted them to know unless they listened to what He had to say and were willing to follow Him. That's the condition. And he says, "Look, you're from beneath." I have a feeling the implication is more than the fact that they're made out of dirt. You're not. You're not really. You know. He called them sons of the devil at one point. He said. Where is he from? I'm from above. Who came down from heaven? God in the flesh came and dwelled among men. He says, I'm from above. You're of this world. I'm not of this world. And Jesus ultimately, you turn over to John chapter 13. He's getting ready to wash the disciples' feet. In verse 1 it says, The feast of the Passover, right before it, Jesus knew that his hour had come that he should depart from this world to the Father. Jesus knew where he was going. Did he want to go alone? Oh, no. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. We know that Jesus would say in Matthew 7 13 and 14, That you know, there, there are few that will find life. Most people will take the way to destruction. Does God want them to take the way to destruction? Oh, no. He wants them to, to choose the, the straight and narrow way. He wants people to go to heaven. Now, let's back up for a moment. Why did Jesus eat with sinners? Because he had something they didn't have, and it was life. He knew something they didn't know. He knew the way to heaven. And he taught it. And he was going somewhere that they could not go unless they would subscribe to what he had to say. But he ate with sinners. Now this is where the hard part comes in. How many of us know sinners that we need to eat with? Is there somebody you work with that you don't really like?